Welcome to today's episode of the Design Leadership Podcast, where we will be speaking with Martin Reber Anderson, currently Vice President of Innovation at Stoka. Martin has a nearby 25 years industry experience in moving design and innovation in large-scale enterprise organizations. From many years inside the Lego Group to many years as a colleague of mine at Park working for large enterprises across the globe. Welcome to the Design Leadership Podcast, where today we're speaking with Martin Reber Anderson. Martin, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jay. Nice to be here. Great to have you and looking forward to uh, hearing from you regarding your journey and uh, experiences and all the wonderful insights and opportunities throughout your career journey. So, Martin, just to get going, uh, we know that you're in a very exciting role at the current time, but uh, just curious to know a little bit about your background and your journey throughout your design career. Can you give us kind of a high-level overview of how you got to where you're at to today? Sure, sure thing. Yeah, and uh, interesting starting point being on a design leadership podcast with, with a career not starting as a designer. Uh, that's, a, that's probably a good lead-in. So back when I was 20, I think around 2021 ish Lego were applying in the newspaper back then for model builders. And I figured, hmm, I was on my way to university and figured, interesting, can you work for Lego as a model builder? So for the fun of it, I applied and uh, went through the, the process, uh, the test building, uh, everything. And, and one, two, three, I was part of the Lego team as a model builder. Uh, that's a position that's today called a designer uh, for a lot. Uh, and people go into these roles very often with a design background. Uh, things have changed a lot over the years. But that was sort of my, uh, my lead into uh, to this and, and, and actually the, the, step that, the first step that took me to, to where I landed today. So, uh, yeah, starting as a, as a model builder, and it was meant just to be for the fun of it because it was just so crazy you could have such a job. But then before I knew it, uh, Lego made their first adventures with Lucasfilm on Star Wars, what developed into Lego Star Wars. I got rolled into that. I got uh, a taste for coordinating, managing. So, so from that position, I sort of started my, my way into more the, the coordinating, managing, leading sign of design already back then. So from model building over coordinating design efforts between two great brands to, to then at one point, of course, also becoming a design manager at Lego. So, so then I got the proper designer part of my title, at least. Spending years at Lego, we did the Bionicle, which was a range of buildable action figures. A guy told me the other day, I think it's a 20-year anniversary this year for the launch of Bionicle. So now I'm myself getting people applying for jobs who have actually, as kids, been exposed to some of the products I developed back then. So it, it, it's, a, it's a funny world. But, uh, uh, but yeah, I, I think I in total spent like seven, eight years at Lego leaving as a creative director, heading up uh, multiple design development teams, then uh, leaving Lego and then consulting for a number of years, Jay, where we also met each other during those, uh, those, those times. Small stint back at Lego in a, in a front-end innovation team. And uh, yeah, 20 years later, I'm here at Stockholm. Yeah, super exciting. And maybe we'll dig a little bit into the Lego experience uh, as we've got a lot of insights into that organization. And, and we still bench to mark them as a center of excellence, but uh, know that you're on a, a new uh, innovation journey yourself. So you mentioned the opportunity uh, of, uh, let's say, uh, 
taking a first step into the, the world of design as a model builder at Lego, which of course is probably a, a, a key moment. Uh, looking back at your design journey over the years as well, is there any other moments that you could define as, let's say, a, a key defining moment or a catalyst to help kind of um, accelerate your career and, or maybe pivot your career? Yeah, I think there, there are a couple of sort of uh, moments, uh, and I think uh, th- this is this is something. Uh, of course, I, I've, I've been seeing much more in hindsight, but I think the fact that I actually came into this job by coincidence, uh, I didn't go through uh, five six years of design university training or business school training. I basically came in being completely blank off the street, then meeting this world that meant that. Uh, I had an extremely open perspective on, on a lot of things. And Lego being a very unique, also back then, company with its own operating model, it was about learning how Lego did things. And I think one of these defining moments were that I grabbed the opportunity or I positioned myself or I, I, sometimes it's often a lot of events leading to it, but, but ending up sort of being in a role where a lot of what I did in these early years was really about integrating design the, the product development part of design, the industrial design part, course in the Lego context, combining that with a sense of marketing, a sense of uh, operational excellence towards your to supply chain to make sure you got your pricing right. Sort of that old IDO Venn diagram, which I met later in my life, were like, yeah, but that's how you do things. Because that's how I sort of had started doing things just because that was the environment I was in. So I think that's one of the key for me my journey sort of always have been in this hybrid role of combining from different areas, seeking that sweet spot between these different areas. A really, uh, really interesting journey you've had. And I think it shows proof in the pudding that while it's good to have a, a design degree, you can also get to, to say, cut your chops uh, just by doing design and learning by doing. So, um, Martin, I know recently that you were inspired to go back uh, and get your MBA. So just curious to, to know what motivated or triggered that, and then also how does that kind of factor into today, and, and how are you leveraging and building upon that with your other experiences? Uh, good one, Jay. Um, well, a couple of things. Uh, yeah, I, I basically skipped university back then and always felt that I have been sort of lagging this Academic is wrong word, uh, theoretic is wrong word, but, but at least uh, sort of lacking some tools, uh, have learned tools uh, uh, the scripted way. So I always had an interest in, in when time was right to pursue it. So there was just an intrinsic motivation to, at some point in time, sort of fill up on a more academic background. Then from a career development point of view, also getting, uh, as, a, as a consultant back then, but looking into corporate world, I wouldn't say I, I felt I, I was missing that component, but I could just see if I could sort of combine that element on top of my design, innovation, product development background, it would simply make me stand stronger uh, to have a more solid toolbox and have a, and I pursued a, a generic MBA. It's not an MBA shaped in a certain direction. It was a very generic uh, EMBA program. So I was really sort of aiming for strengthening myself in a corporate context, getting more in-depth knowledge of the adjacent areas uh, around the innovation department, uh, bringing me a vocabulary, bringing me a deeper understanding of the processes my peers around the organizations would be facing. So it gave me a, a language and a deeper understanding 
that have made me yeah basically work closer uh, with peers and 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 be be part of taking that step up into a senior management position like the the ticket in one of the tickets required to get in yeah great to hear so um i think for for most uh, people considering mbas it's a piece of paper a validation as you said as a ticket in to kind of get that respect but also as you said a tool set to be able to to talk the talk and walk the walk of business and connect that to design and innovation activities Exactly. Um, very interesting background, which gets you to where you're at today. So uh, could you tell us a little bit about your current role and how uh, design and your experiences helping to drive success in that organization? Yeah, uh, sure. So Stalker is a, it's a very interesting company. Uh, it's, a, it's a global company. It's a global brand. And we have a global product portfolio. So that's for me a, a very nice starting point because you get to touch a lot of different cultures. You get to work with uh, very different demographic, demographics. Just in our internal teams, you have a lot of different cultures to work with. So being in a, in a branded B2C premium consumer company is super interesting because I feel that I'm in a position now when I can really leverage everything I've learned over the last uh, yeah, 20-something years. And the current role is titled VP Innovation. So that means that under my wings, I have the design team, the product development arm of Stocker. So we have designers, textile designers, engineers, project leaders. So, so the full team you need to develop a product. I have the product managers. So I have the commercial side on board as well, plus uh, compliance and safety. So also having that, that deeper aspect. Then, of course, we also have uh, a team we have chosen to call a project, uh, project portfolio management team. So, so really a team that can also help us be stronger on processes, tools, methodologies. What's the governance model we want to work against? How are we going to uh, experiment with new ways of, of collaborating? So also having that process lag as part of my team. So all in all, it's, it's sort of the... It's the end-to-end innovation engine from first idea, including a front-end innovation team. So from, from first idea, first need, first opportunity uh, until we put products in the market and then sort of maintain the life cycle of these products. Very interesting to learn. Just curious to know, and I think there's, there's lots of interpretations when we say the word design and, of course, innovation. And we know from working with our clients, it doesn't matter what's set out there in the general marketplace. But within Stoka, how would you define innovation? Is that more of a product-centric standpoint, an experience-centric standpoint? What's kind of your scope of, of delivering on innovation? Uh, products, full stop. So Stoka is a product company. It's physical products. That's our starting point. Uh, this is our big reason for being that we have some high-quality, lasting products, some with a very long history uh, and others, of course, uh, with, with being, being shorter and, and having a shorter lifespan than, than the trip shop chair. But uh, having a portfolio of, of products, uh, analog, old-school uh, products, is, uh, for me, super, super exciting. There's, uh, there's so, much, uh, so much out there on the digital front. There's so much going on on... on the wider experiences, but, but to be honest, uh, I know I sound like an old man now, but uh, I really like being allowed and able to focus on product. And it's a luxury. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, it all starts with the product, the product experience, and then the other touch points around that. Just curious, you mentioned uh, earlier, and without maybe going into the details, I mean, company like Stoka has those uh, evergreen classic uh, products that go multi-generational. We have some at home we love and use, and uh, they, they are timeless. So, you know, how do you address uh, situations like that? If you're looking at product innovation and the product really doesn't change per se, maybe materials or other innovations, are there opportunities still without, uh, again, sharing details? Or is it more about the product portfolio, new opportunities that's really driving innovation? I think we have, uh, we have definitely uh, a lot of opportunities around our existing products. We have opportunities of expanding those product experiences around them. And we also have new opportunities that can fit under who we believe Stogger is and should be known for being. So we use an internal phrasing saying something should, uh, again, this, this works very well internally. It should feel obviously by Stogger if we do it. So with that sort of wider starting point, there's a lot of things we feel where we can have a relevance. But of course, it is, it is one end of the company, you are more a custodian of some very, very strong, well-established icons. And in the other end, it's about speed, it's about agility, it's hitting the newest, the latest. So, so that's, of course, an interesting uh, span to be working in, kept, kept sort of working across these different, uh, yeah, I wouldn't say operating models, but, but at least uh, these very different ways of running a project portfolio, a product portfolio, sorry. Yeah. And those that aren't familiar with Stoka, um, being a Scandinavian company, I would say it's, it's design-driven or very design-centric. Design is kind of a, an inherent part of the DNA. And you mentioned you have some designers uh, on your staff um, that you're responsible for. So the question is, um, how do you or do you need to convince the organization to invest in design that design is a, is a pivotal, pivotal asset for the organization to drive innovation, a brand experience, et cetera? I'm, I'm, uh, I'm very, very lucky here because, again, being a, I wouldn't say Scandinavian because it's about the country, but, but more the, the thinking sort of being sort of born out of this Scandinavian form follows function. That is where we have our roots. Uh, I know today it's a global thing. Uh, I wouldn't say that it's something you can claim as being Scandinavian ownership too or anything, but, but having those roots design sort of baked into the DNA. And uh, we don't do anything without it's been, you would say, well-designed, touched by designers, have gone through a design process, it, it, it's simply a part of our, our way of working. And that is being uh, expected and asked for from the uh, chairman of the board uh, all the way to, uh, to the youngest, uh, youngest guy on the floor. Yeah. So exciting company, exciting role for you driving innovation for Stoka. Uh, but I just want to go back uh, to some, some yesteryears, if you will. Uh, know that you spent many years at Lego, which again, we, uh, we, uh, Identify and Benchmark is a center of excellence, and you were involved in some innovation efforts at Lego, uh, front-end concept lab. So anything high-level that you uh, can or would like to share with the community here about uh, maybe how innovation approaches and, and drive, um, sorry, a Lego approaches and drives innovation efforts? Any thoughts about that, that organization, what you've learned? And, and have, um, it's it's going to be... It's going to be in extremely general terms again. It's, it's, uh, it's years back since I've been there. 
a lot happens. It's a very dynamic organization. It's, uh, it's, it's a fast-moving environment. Uh, what's interesting is if you go into a, a toy shop or like a brand store, the core product is still the same. It's still uh, injection-molded uh, bricks for, for a large extent, but it's the way you get there that's super exciting. And, and the company is experimenting with, with a lot of uh, interesting ways of working. I can totally follow you on the sense that they're, they're like a lighthouse here because they have, by, and this is my take on, on looking at Lego, being a platform-based company where you basically have to deliver by leveraging a platform. It's all about having that platform as the building system in place, and then you work on that. So that just forces you to think in a very certain way because you cannot just pull something off. Everything has to come back uh, into this platform thinking. And it's both in terms of the, uh, the end user experience, whether the kid have a good experience building a certain model. Is it compatible? Does it work? Does it deliver to the promise? But also uh, deep into the, the company, how, how do you make it profitable? Well, that's having your platform in order. So it, it, it's, uh, I, I envy sort of that as, no, as much as I envy having that platform approach, as much I like today not having to be constrained by a platform approach. Uh, but I think that's definitely, if you manage to get your house in order, if you manage to align your company end to end, strong processes, strong procedures, uh, very strong culture, then you can pull it off being a platform company because it takes a lot of discipline to do it. So I think that's some of the, I know it's very high level, Jay, but it, it's, it's just some of the, for me, sort of looking into Lego from the outside and sort of thinking back on my own experience that, wow, it's, it's, a, it's a tough beast uh, to manage. Uh, some great insights. Thanks for sharing. So again, for us, uh, Center of Excellence, uh, as you mentioned, you know, they have one core product and, and they've been able to innovate the experiences around that uh, for many years. And you shared with us your journey. So how, how you started into this uh, field of design and, and how you've gotten to where you are today. Uh, so an amazing, uh, very exciting journey. So Martin, based on your experience in uh, the design industry uh, over the past few decades, in your uh, opinion, in your viewpoint, where do you see design is headed? What do you think are the, the next biggest opportunities or future role for design moving forward? I know it sounds probably sort of too simple, but, but for me, sustainability is the next frontier. That is, it, it, it needs to start with us. It needs to start with us making products in a different way. And, and, and as, as easy as it sounds, as difficult it is. But it has to start with product, uh, of course. Then that means, and, and thereby it has to start with design, that we, de- that we find ways of delivering great experiences in completely new ways. That is not sort of uh, having the same resource pool. Uh, and, and for me, it's a, in the bigger perspective, it's a massive paradigm shift because you can argue, what is sustainability? Well, it's consuming less. Okay, that means selling less. Well, that means consuming less materials. That means, so, so again, it's just challenging a lot. Uh, if you look back, look back at design where it started. Well, that was all to sell more products by making them better. And, and, and so, so we, we also as a discipline is challenged. What does this mean? So we shouldn't make our product as attractive anymore. So people uh, 
rip it off the shelf in, in, in pure excitement. Uh, so I think it's, it's providing a lot of challenges. And it, this is way beyond having uh, the right. Of course, it needs to happen in hand in hand with the whole operational side of materials, production processes, logistics, shipping. It needs to go hand in hand. But it's, um, yeah, it's, it's beyond that part. It's beyond saying, yeah, but now we are certified or, or now, we, now we, we have a van driving around chewing uh, the holes in your jeans. Well, it, it's way beyond that. It is, for me, the big challenge is this paradigm shift. How are we going to pull that off? Because it, it's breaking with so many core philosophies of why we do design. Yeah, fantastic uh, viewpoint and uh, uh, very courageous, I think, for, for the design community to try and uh, drive organizations around sustainability. And this, of uh, course, factors into being involved early enough in, in the process in strategy and not the execution where, yeah, just try and use less materials when you're, when you're value engineering, et cetera. Yeah. Um, so maybe a couple more questions around that. So uh, it seems like in your current role, that's, uh, uh, um, let's say, uh, a mandate or an accepted uh, positioning of design. But for those that maybe are more downstream, how might you advise that design can be a more influential player or partner in sustainability issues for, for business and large enterprises? Yeah, I think it's uh, uh, the obvious one is is trying to visualize and and show new ways. It it it's, but that's obvious because you also need to be allowed to do that. Uh, and what if you are in a company who sells value products by volume? Then it it, it it's easy for me being in a company selling lasting premium products that are designed to have a very long lifespan. So I'm I'm the I'm the lucky guy here. Uh, of course, it's more tricky if you have a business model that is about raw consumption or something being disposable. Or then, of course, you you are potentially challenging the business model to a larger degree. But I think it's 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 finding a balance of the moments where you can be courageous and and then try to point out some potential future avenues, uh, help shape scenarios, uh, find some peers, do some strong work, try to try to get some influence uh, of, of showing potential avenues to explore. And then in the daily grinding, it's, uh, I think it is a matter of saying, can we just incrementally become better day by day? Uh, and, and of course, we are probably why we are uh, designers and innovators, because we like the big steps. We like the, the more radical changes, but, but it, it, they rarely come across. So I think it's also about accepting that a lot of this is is in the grinding and, and the incremental improvements. Yeah, some great insights there. So, uh, you know, again, uh, we know the power of design is visualizations, making things real, future scenarios, and, and, and using that uh, creativity to influence and, and hopefully drive the business. So you'd mentioned, um, you know, sustainability. Those that know me, we know each other pretty well. I'm, I'm a big advocate of what they call the triple bottom line. Right. So uh, uh, the planet being environmental issues, sustainability is one leg of that three-legged stool. The other one being, let's say, social responsibility uh, for society, purpose-driven, et cetera. Any thoughts about the role of design uh, that you see playing or possibly playing in that other third leg to help drive change and impact or not so much? Yeah, it's, uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a bit split here. Because uh, no, uh, no, 
there are some hygiene factors we, we, we just have to deliver to. Diversity, respect, uh, equal rights, etc. So that's just a basic foundation that, that we every day should strive for delivering to and be mindful in doing this. But then on, on sort of on, on taking it beyond that, uh, beyond the what I call these hygiene factors, uh, oh, it's, it's, it's a tricky one because is it our job? Is it us who should push that agenda? And if we push it, how do we make sure we do it credible? How do we make sure we don't? Hey, end of the day, we are only designers and innovators. How do we make sure that that push is not having the opposite effect somewhere else? So, so for me, I'm, I'm trying to focus on the, you know, what I call the hygiene factors of making sure we just make good products for human beings, no matter where the human beings are coming from. Uh, and then, uh, of course, have the, the planet part uh, in mind. Then I think we, just by doing that, we have done a good job. Uh, I, I love the positioning. So I think uh, it should just be inherent part of the process, right? Uh, and, and as you said, human beings, right? So just considering that um, from, a, from a user standpoint, from a production standpoint. And uh, the big question, of course, is what is design's role? Are we driving or just hopefully influencing around that? Yeah. And I think, of course, we have a big voice because uh, what we put in front of the decision makers, uh, we, we basically, we create the long list of what to choose from. So of course we have massive potential influence by, by deciding what's on the long list. And then if you have a good long list, then the short list will be even better. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think everybody can ag- agree that design is kind of in its heyday these days with uh, thanks to the uh, successful usual suspects, the Apples, Ikeas and, and uh, Teslas of the world. And design is evolving very quickly, right? Uh, we have a hard time keeping pace with all the new disciplines that are popping up and, uh, and the, the industry is uh, maturing and, uh, and escalating very fastly. So in your opinion, in your experience, whether it's now or uh, you know, future forecasts of design in the next years or decade, what do you think are some, some challenges or uh, some, some concerns to be looked out for the design community? Well, there is one area, and that is irrespective of what design discipline we talk about. But, but sometimes I, I, I can be afraid if, if it gets too diluted. If, uh, if we end up having designers who are not able to visualize, if we end up having designers who are only on the process, if, it's, if, it's only, if, if design becomes equal to mapping out an experience, and then you have a design system that gives you all the answers. I, and this is just personal. I'm not talking professional here. It's more my, my sort of personal reflection on this. I feel we are losing out on, on call it the artistic element, the craftsmanship. I think it, it's, it's danger for us as, as an industry if we lose the ability to sketch, whether that's in fabric or on paper or at a production site uh, with some good uh, craftsmen, uh, whatever form we, we sort of call sketching in. I think we must sort of have that visualization power on our wings and not let that be a matter of uh, mathematics or potentially in the future an algorithm telling us uh, what shade of blue is the right shade and, and, and what's the radius on, a color, on the corner of an icon. So... I would be sad if we lose out on that uh, on that element of the, yeah the artistic part of being designers or the craftsmanship the deep craftsmanship 
that's uh, some some great insights, and um, you know, it's uh, it's been a reoccurring theme in some of the conversations about just a simple, let's say simple, but uh, basic skill sets we have as designers, which is visualization, uh, rapid prototyping, and storytelling. So I hear that, and I fully agree that we need to protect that uh, basic skill set. Just a question for you in your current role as you kind of transcend from designer to manager to leader. How much of those basic skill sets are still coming into play? Are you using the visualization and storytelling at a, an executive level as well, whether that's coming from you or the team? No, but this is this is back to uh, this is back to where I'm coming short. Not being the trained designer because I've not been drilled into the sketching, the the, the visualization. So so my toolbox is uh, is PowerPoint and and storytelling. And, and visualizing business opportunities in conversations. So I'm trying to apply the, the tricks and discipline, but of course I, 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 I feel I'm, I'm semi-handicapped because uh, I don't have the, the sketching visualization power if I sit in conversations with designers, if, if I discuss a problem with an engineer. Uh, you could say, now I've moved so far away from the action that I can definitely deliver my job without having those skills, but on my journey, I've often had situations where I had really been missing that uh, we all know those designers who just do amazing fast sketching and, and, and rapid prototype. How much it can accelerate a process when people can, can explain through words and visualizations. Uh, so, uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm repeating myself. I think, it's a, I, I think it's a key element in what we do. Yeah, I uh, I can. I'm just nodding my head because I fully agree with you, Martin. Uh, I think in a former life I was a designer with some abilities, and now uh, dealing mostly with the business and in powerpoints and storytelling. But I think it's a just a, a value asset that should never be underappreciated or utilized in the industry, whether it's coming from us as design leaders yourself or resources around us. Because I think that is the the power of design to to use those resources to convince and drive um, the business, whether it's a strategy, innovation efforts, uh, so forth. And then there's, then I'm coming to think of another element which, I'm not concerned is the wrong word, but I would be, I would be concerned if we managed to root out all the crazy shit that have shaped the world by solid design processes. If we get so much data and insights and able to scale and, and know what's right and call it out and potentially with, with the coming of, uh, of algorithms also stepping into our area, I could be concerned, but where's the, where's the next trip trap chair going to come from? Because today, if somebody pits me on that chair, I would say, interesting, but I wouldn't maybe necessarily pick it out uh, because uh, as with any products, you also find things that you would say, hmm, I'm sure is this right? Isn't it too crazy? Uh, what's the precedence for doing something like this? Uh, I'm sure it's going to work, but people understand it. And you have these products like a trip trap chair, the relaunch of Apple with the new iMacs. Let's make them translucent and round and friendly. So you have these products that you would say, would they come out of a really sort of managed, informed, thorough, insight-led design process? Question mark. I'm myself a big advocate for, for insight-driven innovation because I think we need running a business. We need to have some uh, risk mitigation that what we put forward in our pipeline is having some uh, probability of success. Uh, so I'm, I'm leaning against, yes, we need insights. We need to have clever people who can understand and translate these insights. 
But sometimes I, I have this, hmm, are we rooting out all the crazy stuff that sometimes sort of can skyrocket and become iconic? Yeah, uh, it's a, a very interesting uh, positioning and in, in, uh, I think uh, something we've discussed as well is, you know, do you follow a rigid design process or do you have the flexibility and adaptability for those kind of ideas that are born out of it that are maybe the, the, the next shooting stars, as, as you say? Uh, Martin, you've, you've had a very interesting journey and maybe one of the few that we know that are in a, in a leadership position, not starting from a formal design education, but cutting your chops through, uh, through, through Lego and model building and now in the position you are running innovation for the, the global brands that you're in. Any advice for the listeners who want to advance their careers in design leadership? How might they be able to fast track that or uh, elevate design in their organizations? Any advice on those topics? I think it's, it, it, it's as, as any, any specialist, I also have uh, engineers and, and I have uh, business graduates in my team. There's always this as you sort of uh, progress through a career, how much do you carry on from your professional discipline? Uh, of course, if you are an automotive or household goods or, or, or areas, we have a, a, our also internal team, but not at the scale as, as some other organizations where you sort of can make career progression and stay a designer. So I think you need to, to really sort of think through whether you do you want to go on that journey. Do, because you are on every step up, you leave some of your where you originated from, you leave it behind. And, and you've got to sort of be wanting to sit in all these meetings and switch from Adobe to Microsoft Office and sort of be, be making that move. Uh, so I think that's, that's definitely, uh, you've got to be intrinsic motivated to pursue it uh, because you're def- it's a massive, just your first manager shifted, it's a massive steer away from probably what took you to design university back in the days. I think on, on the influence part, I like to, to see it as, uh, um, try to see all your managers and leaders and, and peers as users of the design you're creating. So, so try to apply design process on, your, on how I'm going to exercise influence. Uh, I think that can be a help to, to basically understand your, your target audience, what are their needs, how can I make solutions that, that delivers to their needs, how can I make something that excites me, what, what are the, the icons I need to use, the, what's the language I'm going to speak so they understand it. So I think from a exercising influence, I would say balance this of be yourself, be the designer you are, don't steer away from that uh, because it's a very unique skill set in many corporate uh, environments. But you need to sort of give it a spin so you can position yourself and have others understand where you're coming from. And, and that's where you should almost apply a design process to how am I going to exercise influence on the stakeholders and decision makers. I think that could help maybe demystify it a bit uh, what it would take. That's great advice. And I think it's about practicing what we preach and applying our own processes to our own ways of working in, in, uh, in our current situations. So fantastic insights, an amazing journey you've had. And uh, I think, uh, again, uh, maybe a little bit more rare, but uh, proof in the pudding that while formal education is, is important and, 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 and viable, doesn't necessarily need it to start uh, your path in design leadership. So Martin, thank you so much for your time and the insights that you shared and look forward to seeing some amazing things uh, coming out of you in the future. Thanks, Jay, and uh, thanks for chatting. Thanks so much. Take care.
Thank you for joining us for this session of the Design Leadership Podcast. I do hope that you gain some valuable insights and inspiration to help further you along in your path in design leadership. If you would like to learn more on how myself and my colleagues have helped to empower design leaders for the past 22 years through consulting, coaching, educating, and uniting design leaders across the globe, please check out our suite of services found online at empowering.design. I wish you the best of success in your design leadership journey and pursuit of design excellence. Be well and stay safe.